You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast with Ari Goldwag, recorded with Hashem's never ending assistance in Ramah Pishemesh Israel, 5782-2021. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Toldos, and in our Parsha we have the beginning of the story of Yaakov and Esav, twins, two brothers, one more spiritual, who would end up being the forebear of the entire Jewish people, Esav, who had the potential to also be a forebear of the Jewish people, but chose instead not to be that. And I'd like to share with you one of the most profound ideas, perhaps, that I've ever shared. Um, Something that, it's it's not going to sound brand new to you, because it combines other concepts that you've heard from me, from others, but it's a very clear, when when you understand something, you distill it down to a very clear core, so you can use it and apply it in many different ways. And I want to share with you a piece from the altar of Navardic in Madregas Adam, which I've been listening to from my Rosh Hashiva Rabbi Per over the last few weeks, months. And I'd like to share with you a thought that has to do with motivation. And motivation is so important to us, to every single person, because we need to know why we're motivated. If we want to accomplish anything in life, we have to motivate ourselves. And the question is, how do we motivate ourselves? I don't feel like doing it. I'm not really so interested in that thing. It's boring. Right? These are common things that I hear my children say. And these are common things that I hear myself say. And the question is, how do we get motivated for something? Can we only be motivated by something which has a high payoff? I'm being paid a lot of money for. I'm going to get a lot of honor prestige for it. I'm going to feel really good about myself for doing that. Is that the only motivation? Or is there a deeper motivation? And in the Madregas Adam, the altar of Navardic, one of the pillars, the cornerstones of the Shita of Navardic was Bitachon, which we've spoken about at length, the concept of trusting in God. But another of the pillars and foundations is the concept of Lishma. And Lishma means doing it for its own sake, really. It means doing it for God's sake. Doing it for Hashem. Not because I'm going to get any honor. Not because I'm going to receive any accolades, not because I'm going to make a lot of money, but doing something for its own sake, doing it for God's sake, doing it because it's right. Now, the problem, the difficulty is, how do I motivate myself to do something that doesn't have a strong motivation? If I'm going to be honored, so that's a big motivation. I'm going to be paid a lot of money. That's a big motivation. How do I get myself to be motivated by something that doesn't motivate that's the question that I want to talk about. And before we get into the simple, really simple, and I, and I ask you, I don't usually say this, but stay till the end, all the way till the end, because if you do, you're going to receive something which, for me, I think, in my, you know, for me, I believe it's something that's transformational. Just, it's so clear, it's so simple and applicable. We can apply it right away, this idea. But before we get to the idea, I want to share with you where we see this idea in our very parsha, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Hashem had been ire to this idea in this week's parsha. The Torah tells us the story of Yitzchak and, and how he wants to give the brachas, he wants to give the blessings to Esav, and how Yaakov takes the blessings, how Yaakov buys the Bechayra, the firstborn rights from Esav. What I'd like to focus in on, and what the altar focuses in on, is the fact that Esav is called Edom. 
I like to read this to you. He's called Edom, which means the red one. Where does he get this name from? So many of us know because he said, "Give me some of that red stuff." He came in. He was hungry. He was starving. He said, "Give me some of that red stuff." Imnisbainin says the altar of Navardic. Amazing thing. Imnisbainin mahayam shal Esav. What is the essence of Esav? Esav is the character in the Torah of somebody who completely gives in to his own desires and who's not interested in spirituality. He gives up his portion in the Jewish people. He could have been, as we said, one of the forefathers of the Jewish people. Instead, he threw it all away for involvement in this world. But Sinu if we look at what is the essence of Esav, we see that the Torah says, after he said, feed me some of this red stuff. He wanted some of that lentil soup, which was red. He said, give me the red stuff. That's why he was called Edom. That's why he was called the red one. He was red. He had red hair. He had a ruddy complexion. But because of this story, he said, give me the red stuff. From that day on, he was called Edom, which means the red one. Kasha says the altar in the It's very difficult to understand. We find that that very day, Esav had transgressed all, it's in the Shemais Rabbah, it's in the Medrash, he had transgressed all of the different Averis, the, the three Chamures, Gilei Arayis, Shvi Chizdamim, Avodah had He had been involved with a married woman, he had served idolatry, he had murdered somebody. Why are we calling him red because of the red stuff that he asked for? Call him a murderer. Call him uh, a, 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 somebody who serves idolatry. He said, feed me that red stuff. That's just something that's a negative character trait inside of himself. The fact that he's, he runs after eating. He's a glutton. You want to talk about a real chisar? You want to talk about a real negative attribute? So talk about the fact that he's a murderer. He's also causing the death of somebody else. He's not just uh, causing detriment to himself. Says the altar, we must understand. If the Torah is choosing the language of Edom, Edom means the red one, it must mean this was the foundational thing that he was missing. This was his, this was his biggest problem. This is the reason why everything else that he did happened. It was because of the red character of of Esav. So we need to understand the root of this chisarn. If we understand the root of who is Esav. What is this negativity? How did he lose himself completely? He lost his, his portion in the Jewish people in, in eternity. All he is for us is a lesson in negativity. So we need to understand who he is because we don't want to make his mistake. Okay, he asked a few other questions. I'm not going to get into all of these questions. One question I will read. <laughs> It says that after he sold the firstborn rights to Yaakov, Esav 
Vayivez Esavaz Bachor. He, he looked down upon, he belittled the firstborn rights. Now, understand, what are the firstborn rights? What is this discussion about? The firstborn rights means, who's the spiritual one? Who's the one that's going to bring the sacrifices to God when it's appropriate? Who's the one that's going to lead the spiritual side of the family? That's what the firstborn rights means. So, not only did he sell his rights to Yaakov, but he made, he made light of them, he belittled them. The verse tells us that he, he belittled the service of God. The Kosha says the Alter Navarik, a very important question. It's very difficult to understand. He said, what is... He asked Yaakov, he said, you want to buy the Bechayra from me? He said, what's the Bechayra about? What is, what's involved? What's involved in being the firstborn? Come over Bechazal. And uh, Yaakov uh, you know, told him what's involved, etc. And he said, okay, it's not for me. You see that he, had a, he was weighing the matter, whether he should sell this Bechayra or not, whether he should give it up or not. So, if this is something that he already understood is something important, and we see, he doesn't say this, but we see later on, he wants the blessings, which are involved, that are connected to the Bechayra, Baracha and Bechayra, the same letters, the blessing and the firstborn rites. So, if it's important to him, so then why does he put it down? Why does he belittle it afterwards? How does he go from one extreme to the other? So, he lays down an amazing idea. Listen to this carefully because it's, it's really foundational. It's so important. In order to be mavchen something, in order to distinguish things, if a person has a healthy, his senses are in proper working order. In love, by understanding the difference between things. If I can tell the difference between black and white, different colors, so it shows that I can see. If everything is black or everything is white for him, so I see. So this is a sign that he's blind. His his sense of sight is not functioning. If a person can hear the difference between the sound of a person or the sound of an animal. This is a sign that his hearing is functioning. If all he hears is one long sound, or they all sound the same to him. It goes on through the different senses. If a person is able to distinguish things with his senses, that shows that the sense is functioning properly. He says, when it comes to the sense of knowledge, a person's ability to understand and, and intellectually approach things, it depends on his ability to see, to distinguish things. The sages say the reason that we say Havdalah, we say that there because it has to do with we're separating between Shabbos and the week. In order to do that, so you have to have the ability to distinguish. That requires understanding. What is it that distinguishes? If everything looks the same versus everything, there, there's increments and there's different uh, shades, so to speak. 
has to do with true and false. Being Tavlara, distinguishing distinguishing between good and bad. When a person doesn't understand the difference between something that's true and something which is a forgery, between reality and sleight of hand, if a person can't figure out, he can't intuitively understand that this is real and this is not real, that this is true and this is fake, so then they're missing something in their intellectual capacity. If a person just judges things in a superficial way, always whatever it looks like, that's what he assumes it is. Because by human beings, all of the understanding, all of the chushim, all of a person's senses and what they see and how they experience life, the interpretation of those things depends on how I understand it. What well, the, the, the person's knowledge understands, this is good and sweet. Something that the intellect says, this is not good for me, it's very bitter. It's good, it's, it's negative, it's bad. So this is a very important, you say, foundational idea. I can't take things on face value. And it goes through a person, you know, you see a guy, I'm not going to read it inside, but you see a guy, he has, he has a coin. He puts it in his hand, and then all of a sudden he opens up his hand, and he has two coins in his hand, right? So, wow, it's magic. He made two co- a second coin appear. But if you know a little bit about sleight of hand, you know that he had a coin in his sleeve, and the coin dropped in. But if you take things on face value, you're going you're gonna to misunderstand, and you're going to misinterpret that which is going on. So, if you... When a person is a is an intellectual person, an honest person, intellectually honest person, which means I know it's really true. I'm not just looking at things on face value. It's such an important idea today because our society is so entrenched in superficial understandings understandings of things without that distinction. So a person who has proper understanding, he's not, he's not blown away by the first thing that he sees. Oh my, how is that real? My daughter was just telling me, she's taking a class in film, she was telling me how she, they, they show her this entire video where this, you see someone coming through a whole railway system and there's tons of people around and, and there's a train and everything and etc. And she said how they explained to her and showed her how everything was green screen, it wasn't really there. Nothing was there, none of the people, the train wasn't there. But it looked so real. Right? So today we're at a time which there's so much false information being presented as real. But it's so important to be able to distinguish between what's real and false. Okay, I'm sorry for that already. A person who's intelligent is not just doesn't just look at the outer aspect of things. He waits for a moment until he sees, sees the mistake. But somebody who looks at things with a superficial glance, with a superficial look, with an imagination of what it is. Oh wow, it's so beautiful. You know, you see a beautiful person. That person must be, that's what I need. That's what I want. That's what I want to be connected to. Or famous person, whatever it is. And they, but you get to know the person a little bit, and you find out they're they're tremendously haughty. They have terrible midas. 
They're not a good person. They do terrible actions. They take, you know what I'm saying? You find out the truth after a little bit of exploration. You realize this is not a person that I want to be connected to. It takes, it takes time to recognize the truth. But if you look at things in a superficial way, so then you get thrown about like leaves in the wind. Wherever the wind blows, he's running. Oh, wow, look over there. There's something I want. Oh, that looks like good food. Oh, look, this is what I need. I need money. I need this. All the different tithes, all the different desires. Okay? Now, I'm going to stop reading inside because I want to get to my point, which is really important. But he says that Esav was a person who saw things in a superficial way. That's all he saw. He only... If he saw something, it was, give me that red stuff, I'm so hungry, give me that food, it smells good. That was the essence of who he was. He did things that had a big draw, that had a big pull toward that thing. Why do you have to, why do you have to be with an Ashish Ish? Why do you have to have a ride? Why do you have to be over the rise? Why do you have to kill somebody? Why do you have to, he's drawn after, after, I'm so angry, I want to kill him, he kills him. Oh, wow, he sees a beautiful woman. Who cares if she's married? He, he must have her. It's being pulled after the big, meaty things. The words that he use, the words that he, the word that he uses here is bulmus, which means in Hebrew, ravenous hunger, tremendous lust, tremendous desire. Esav was called Edom. He was called the Red One because the essence of who he was was somebody who was only motivated by powerful motivations, by powerful desires. He would do something. If he was going to make a ton of money, he would kill somebody to get all the money. He would, you know what I'm saying? He would do whatever it took to get that big payoff. The big payoff. Back to my question. It sounds familiar. You know, I'm motivated by certain things. I put out this partial podcast every single week for 14 years. I can't let myself down. I I can't let my, uh, you know, Baruch Hashem. Many people watch this podcast. That's a big motivator. Could I do it without that motivation? Could I do it with a very little motivation? Could I, could I have a conversation with? Could I give a share to two people? Could I give a share to one person? I'm motivated to learn, to study, to understand without being able to share it with anybody? Am I motivated to sing a song only if it's going to get a million views on a video? Am I motivated to sing a song even if nobody hears it? I can make up a song right now. No one will know. No one will ever hear it. will stay inside of my iPod. You know, I'll record it. No one will ever hear it. Am, am I able to do that? Can I be motivated? Or only if there's a big payoff. That's the question. How do I connect the opposite of Esav? Because Yaakov is somebody who's Ishtam Yeshivai Halim. He's sitting and studying. He's learning Torah. He's content without the big payoff. He's content to do what's right because it's right. He didn't, you think he wanted to run in there and steal the brachas from Esav? It was forced by his mother. That's not a big motivation. I mean, you got, you, you got to listen to your mother. But I'm saying he didn't want to do that. He wouldn't have done that on his own. Yaakov and the Jewish people, the essence of who we are, is those who are willing to do something 
that doesn't have the biggest motivation. So here's the question. How do I motivate myself? Well, you know, when I take a cup of coffee, I feel much more awake. I feel much more motivated. I'm ready to move. Can I motivate myself without a cup of coffee? Without a stimulant to, to make it more sweet, the thing that I don't want to do? Can I do something that's not so sweet? Can I eat a vegetable? You know, I love candy. Let's say. I'm not a big candy eater. I love candy. I love sweets. I love chocolate. I'll eat that. I have kids like this. I'll eat that, but I won't eat a nutritious, delicious dinner. It's just not sweet enough for me. It's not the food that I want. It's not the thing that I ask for. I only eat in restaurants. Will I eat the vegetable, which has a slightly sweet taste? It does. A tomato has a slightly sweet taste. A cucumber has a slightly sweet taste. How do I get myself to eat the vegetables of life, which are those things which are good for me, but don't have the biggest pull? You know, when I learn Gemara, which Baruch Hashem, thank God, I do every day. When I learn Gemara, it's not as fun as talking about a Medrash or about a Pasuk, as giving a Parsha podcast. How do I motivate myself? And here's, here's where we get to the secret, the big secret. The big secret. I have a choice. I have a choice every single day to reinforce the habit of only doing things with big motivation. I only do things if it's I'm making a million dollars, thousand dollars, whatever. Each person in there, I will only do it. Or I'm willing to do it for free. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to... Every time... This is how I will say it. Every time I allow myself the privilege of doing something that has a lower motivation, it gets sweeter. You know, when you eat cucumbers, they're actually sweet. Every time I choose to do something that doesn't have a strong motivation, I reinforce within myself the willingness to do something that is not so strong I'm just, I want to check my email a thousand times I want to look at my Facebook I want to look at my WhatsApp I want to look at all these things are strong motivations am I willing to give tzedakah it's hard to give tzedakah I worked hard for this cha- this money I'm going to give it to that guy that beggar he didn't he's not work he doesn't work why is he coming around every day asking me for money get a job am I willing it's a low motivation. In fact, if anything, it's the opposite side. You have extremes. You have the things that are very strong things pulling you in that direction to do. You have things that are slight motivating, a little bit of a pull. You have things that go in the opposite direction that you don't want to do. When you do the things that are in the opposite direction, and here's the secret. This is, this is the foundation. When I do those things that are in the opposite direction I don't want to do, I get a, a, a good hit. A spiritual hit, that's called lishma. That's called doing it for the right reason. When I do it because it's right. Then now look at the difference of what happens. When I do the thing, I look at my email all day, I check my Facebook, I waste my time. It feels good in the moment, but it feels terrible after. When I do the thing I don't want to do, I don't feel so such a pull towards, or I, I, I feel a pull not to do, when I, it's called Shaviris Amidas. When I do that thing anyway, I, I reinforce within myself the ability to do things that don't have such a powerful pull.
again, another time, give another shekel to tzedakah, another dollar to charity. Do another thing that I'm not strongly motivated by. Close my computer. Turn it off. I don't need to look at Facebook now. I don't need to check the news again. I'm going to listen to that quiet voice of my conscience. See, the more I reinforce within myself, that's the word reinforce within myself, because I have both abilities, to be drawn after powerful motivations or to be, to be willing to do something and to do it even though it's not a powerful motivation. Every time I do that thing, I take that step, I clean that dish. I take some junk off of my table and I throw it in the garbage. Every time I do that, I reinforce within myself the ability to do things without a strong motivation. And you know what happens? I become a better person. And I look for opportunities to do things that I don't necessarily want to do. I don't, I don't like to take out the garbage until it's full. I don't want to waste garbage bags. I also don't like to take out the garbage when it's overflowing. So, take out the garbage right away. Before it hits overflowing. Do something. And again, do it again. We develop the habit. And we feel good. When, when we do that, when we do the action, which is bad, which has a strong motivation, we feel good in the moment, and then we feel bad afterwards. When we do the action that has a light motivation or a negative motivation, I don't want to do it. I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to pull out my wallet and, and find that I only have 10 aguro in a dime. I'm embarrassed. But when I do that anyway, afterwards I feel good. I feel good. I was Miss Gaber. I was... I'm a human being. I'm a person. I'm not drawn after whatever fat motivation. I can do things that have light motivation. Now I'm going to ask you one last thing before I give you a brach and ask you to, to give me that blessing. Try it. Try it this week. Try it every day this week. And maybe send an email to me to arigoldwag at gmail.com I know it's not so easy to do. It's an, it's an exercise in doing something that doesn't have a lot of motivation. And tell me what you did and how it changed, how you felt. And with your permission, maybe we'll read it next week and we'll see what we're able to accomplish together. I bless you and ask you to bless me. Hashem should help us to be able to recognize and understand what we're being motivated by. To be able to do those things that don't have such a strong motivation. To recognize that the misses themselves, so much in the Torah is about helping us to reinforce within ourselves the ability to not be drawn after the heavy motivations, but to be able to do those things that aren't as motivating. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos. This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.